So we thank you, Lord, for your word today. We ask the Lord of your spirit that your word would speak to our hearts, that we'd come to hear what you are saying to us and act upon it. And we praise your name. It was very simple, you know. These men were casting the net. Simon and Andrew, brothers, fishermen. And then Jesus on the shore just simply says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And we're told at once, at once, without hesitation, they left their nets and they followed him. My dear friends, uh, that call that Jesus made upon those young men at that time, he makes on each one of us as well. It's a model, as it were, for the Lord's coming to us. And he does it again and again and again. So at the beginning of this year, he's coming to you as he is to me, wherever you're busy about, with whatever nets you're sort of throwing out, whatever you're doing in your occupations or your particular responsibilities, and he's getting your attention. As he got the attention of these brothers. They must have been somehow caught by the magnetic attraction of Jesus. And the words must have really hit them strongly. Follow me. What is interesting? Is that Jesus didn't say, look, I've got some good teaching. Come and hear my teaching. Nor did he say, look, I've got some great ways to worship a God. Come and learn how to worship him. Nor did he say, look, um, come along and, and I'll give you some commandments and you'll be able to make a moral choice for your life. They're all very important things about our Catholic faith. And he said none of those things, and he says none of those immediately to you tonight either. But he says to you, as he says to me, Jesus says, follow me. That means, I want relationship with you. I'm calling you into intimacy with me, to live with me, and to walk with me and to learn from me, to come to know me and to love me. That's the first call of the Lord. At the beginning of this year, He's calling each one of us to come to know and love Him more deeply. It's into relationship. Christianity is not, first of all, a set of doctrines or a moral ethical choice or anything like that, or even a way of worship. Christianity is first and foremost an encounter with the person of Jesus Christ. And here it was at the beginning. And so it is with us now that Jesus calls. You see, there are many Catholics who you know who have been catechized very well through the school system and sacramentalized too, many sacraments and all that, but haven't yet come into a personal living encounter with Jesus. Now we, under the grace of the Spirit, have begun to move in that way. But the Lord would call us into a deeper friendship with Him at this time, 
So we become genuine disciples of His. That's the first thing about a disciple. Now notice that as soon as they heard this call, it so attracted them that they left everything. And they immediately acted. And so for us as well, it's a time for a decision. A decision to say, yes, Jesus, I follow you. I want that friendship with you. I want to come into that relationship with you more deeply than I've experienced at this point. I want to be your disciple. You know the song we sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. We sing it in, in kindergarten, but it's actually like so important. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back, no turning back. So they left, left their securities, they left their job. I'm not saying you have to necessarily do that, but we can't hold on to anything too tightly but the Lord Himself. So He becomes our security. He becomes the anchor. He becomes the source of my hope. He becomes my joy. He becomes my life. This is not just for priests and religious. This is for everybody. This is what it means to be baptized, to belong to Jesus, right? And so He calls us into that. And so the true disciple then, as these brothers did, they began to walk in his footsteps. They began to imitate the way of the Lord, to live according to his way. So their attitudes began to change, slowly mind you, and their mindset began to change as well, their ways of behavior too. They wanted to form, allow themselves to be formed by the mind of Jesus. As they come into union with him, they come into a deep place with Him. They place their lives under Him. That's what it is to be a disciple, is to place my life under the Master. And the Master will teach me with His words, He'll teach me with His life, especially, and show me the way to live. So I allow Jesus to be my Master. I allow Him to reach into my heart at the depths where I most need to be changed, and I allow Him to open up to me the beauty of this wondrous relationship with him, which is a very transforming thing indeed. Right? Now what you notice about the disciples in the Gospels is that they're different from the crowd. You know, when Jesus calls you to be his disciple, he calls you out of the crowd. You notice if you read the Gospels, the crowds are always following Jesus. They're looking for the signs and wonders. They're looking for, as he said, you only after the bread that I gave you to eat, you know. They're looking for self-fulfillment. They're looking for their selfish gain. That's what it is to be in the crowd, huh? And the crowds will always rally. They put on a healing uh, thing or something. The crowds will come, huh? Because there's something in it for me. But the true disciple in the Gospels is one who's called out of the crowd to share in the way of Jesus, which is the way to the cross. Be the true disciple is so filled with love for the Lord that he or she is willing to share with Jesus in the self-giving of his love for the world. And so the true disciple is sacrificial in the way he or she operates, not just getting from the Lord, but actually joining him in giving of oneself for the sake of the world. 
This is what it is to be a disciple. So when we say I have decided to follow Jesus, there's a cost in it. Remember when the crowds were sort of running, moving away from Jesus in John's Gospel in John 6? Remember, Jesus was teaching about the Eucharist and they thought, well, he's asking us to be cannibals. He's asking to eat his flesh and blood. Uh, and they said, this is unacceptable. And they began to leave him. The crowd started to wander away because it didn't seem like he was up to their expectation. And then Jesus turns to the disciples and he says to them, will you too go away? And Peter speaks up, he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And what he meant by that in, in the Greek is, you have the words for this day and tomorrow and the next day. For every situation in my life, you have the words. You have the direction. You have what I need most of all. And I can't envisage my life working without you. That's what it is to be a disciple. Otherwise, people, when the hardships come, will walk away. But when you truly know your dependence upon the Lord, and you truly know that everything hangs upon this relationship with Him, you'll stay in through thick and thin, through good times and bad times. Good weather, bad weather, doesn't matter. Your friendship with the Lord is first and foremost. You cling to Him because he is your security and he's the surety of your life. So I want to notice you to notice the second part of what Jesus said. He said, follow me. I just talked about that a little bit. Follow me. And then he said, I will make you fishers of people. I'll make you fishing for people. That's the other part. To be a genuine disciple means that you get transformed in your heart in such a way that you really have a heart of the Lord to go out to others and bring this beautiful relationship you've discovered to others. To be fishers of people. Is that how you envisage your life? I don't know whether you've ever gone fishing for real fish. But we are all meant to be fishers of people, if I'm a genuine disciple. I'm not just warming the sea every Sunday, don't have to warm it very much tonight, do we? With my backside. I don't have to warm the sea. No, I'm actually on the move. Because I'm with Jesus, and I'm inspired by Jesus to go fishing. That's our purpose, actually. Our purpose is to be reaching out to others and draw them into relationship with the Lord. Is that how you envisage your life? If you say, I've decided to follow Jesus, that's what it means. It's clear. It's the second part of the deal. First part, yes, relationship with Jesus at all costs. Second part of the deal is, I'm given for the sake of others in the work of evangelization. Are you ready? Is this the year when you're going to do that? Praise the Lord, I'm sure it will be. You've probably heard me tell the story about that uh, big lake once where there was a lot of fish in it. Really, it was full of fish. And next to it, they built this club, a fisherman's club. It was a beautiful clubhouse. People loved to go there. It was air-conditioned for a start. Uh, and I thought, like, this is pretty good. Uh, but then, 
Uh, you know, it had all sorts of wonderful movies on fishing, and they had celebrations of the great heroes of fishing from the past. They, uh, they loved fishing, uh, and they had seminars about fishing, they had a lot of talking about it, and, and they had all of the, the equipment that you need for fishing, and big displays and everything like that. But the usually thing about this pub is that nobody actually went fishing. The lake was there, but nobody went fishing. Sound familiar? So then one day, a young boy got so inspired by a video about fishing, that he actually went out to the lake, he got a, his rod, a reel, he got the bait and everything he needed, he went out to the lake, he threw out his line, and wow! He caught a fish! A big one! Netted it in, and he goes back to the clubhouse and he says, I caught a fish! Well, they were so excited! Someone had caught a fish! They had a, a celebration for a whole week uh, on, the, on the beauty of fishing, uh, and, and then they gave him the Millennium Medal for fishing. And, and then, uh, as a result of that, they thought he was so good at fishing that they gave him a scholarship to go overseas and get a PhD in fishology. <laughs> and then when he came back with a PhD in fishology, he went around Australia, you know, talking to everybody about fish and fishing. Because he was an expert in fishing. But you know what? He never went fishing again. Sound familiar? I know those. Um, PhD? So, are we actually fishing? You know, we had a conference here in Canberra some years back, and uh, at the final mass of the conference, uh, we, so it's all on fishing, it's all on evangelization. And the final mass, uh, we had a, a bishop come, we wasn't quite sure about how he coped with uh, uh, what was going on here in terms of the you know, charismatic gifts and everything. A lovely man, but we weren't quite sure about it. And so we were a bit nervous. And, and so we had the Mass, and at the end of the Mass I said, well now, someone might like to bring up a prophecy. So a woman came to the microphone, and she just blurted out, GONE FISHING! And then she sat down. Well, I wanted to disappear under the altar, you know, because it was sort of embarrassing, it seemed. And afterwards I thought, maybe it was a prophecy. Because you see, if everybody in that bureaucracy down there, Monica, you know, sort of, uh, at some point or another, uh, maybe just one day a week, we just sort of you know, close up shop, put a, a note on the door saying, Gone fishing. And if me too, from my computer or something, and said, put a note on my door saying, Gone fishing, we'd be a healthier church, wouldn't we? Someone would actually be fishing. So, are you going to actually fish? this year, are you going to be truly the evangelist that God calls you to be? And, and the Lord really, when he commissioned us, he said, go make disciples of all nations. Go make disciples. You know, so it's about fishing in terms of making disciples. Drawing people into a relationship with the Lord who become a, like you in love with Jesus. Like you in love with the church. Like you sort of, uh, in, in cooperating with the Eucharist. Like you who can sort of uh, read the scriptures. Yes, we bring people into discipleship. We make disciples. And that's my final point. Uh, go make disciples. You know what God's plan is for Australia? You know, for the conversion of Australia in 20 years. It starts here. So let's take this, we have 100 people. I think we have just a bit over 100 here, but if we have 100 people here, right? That's easy for mathematics, right? 
100 people. We all decide today that for this year, each one of us will make one disciple. That's not much, is it? One disciple. Okay? Agreed? Each one will make one disciple. So then next year, how many will we have here? 200. Whoa, the mathematics is fantastic. And then if everyone in, in that new group agrees to, as we do, to continue making one disciple each year. Following year, how many will we have? 400. Okay, after 10 years, how many will we have? If everybody sticks to it, hmm? we will have, after 10 years, uh, over 100,000. Okay, well, we'll have to build a bigger church, huh? But then, like, if we keep doing it and everyone keeps faithful, one disciple each year, that's all, that's all I'm asking, one disciple each year, if we keep faithful to it, after 20 years, how many people will we have? We'll have over 60 million. So, accounting for the population growth in Australia, we'll have converted Australia. We'll be off to Indonesia or somewhere. Okay, so, that's the plan. Okay? Got it? One a year. Committed? Right? Praise the Lord. You see, that's the plan of the Lord. So let's hear this call upon us that was made to the very first disciples when Jesus said, very simply, follow me. And I will make you fishers of people. And bless his name.